Thank you for joining us today at another podcast for Miniature Wargaming Labs. I'm James. I'm Brian. And today we actually want to talk about making time to play all the games that you have. So as we say, this is a podcast dedicated to the uh, serious multiple game player. But one of the issues is time. How do you play multiple games? Just the logistics of it. But first, we want to get started with what we've been working on hobby-wise. So, Brian, why don't you lead off? What have you had on the table lately? Well, with the, the upcoming release of Stargrave, uh, I started working on some older miniatures of mine for the game Infinity, uh, the Nomads range. Uh, I've Going through them, I found that they are perfect for a myriad of games. Uh, and of course, this was my first hobby. So now going back to that uh, time and you know going back to those miniatures is really nice. Um, so I started doing a couple of them up for uh, the upcoming Stargrave release. Okay, and so how so Nomads? How is that different? Because I bought a lot of the Ariadna because they fit that um, near future, close to future, like modern warfare war gaming look. And yeah, Ariadna is very militaristic, uh, very near future modern warfare, modern warfare. You could even put them in some of them in like modern stuff now. Um, nomads are very different. They have stuff, you know, they have the cat girl nurses. Um, they have the, the animal uh, hybrid uh, prisoners they have cheer killers which are you know cheerleaders with guns they have the nuns with guns they just have everything that you could think of to put into one faction in one game but their miniatures are so varied that you can use them in a lot of different games the cheer the the cheerleaders can be used in a zombie game the the cat girl nurse can be used in whatever game that could be used for um they have the, they have militaristic guys that could be used in you know futuristic sci-fi uh military games they have uh the the nuns with guns which are you know they're 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 not like dressed as like nuns that we know now but they are like the hyper uh religious gun-toting ladies so um but they're they can be used in a lot of different things they just have a style styles and uh, miniatures to go into a lot of different ways, uh, a lot of different sci-fi avenues. Yeah, so that seems to be like uh, whenever Corvus Belli has a sculptor and says, I want to make something, but it doesn't fit anything else. Uh, nomads. Yep. We'll stick them in nomads. nomads. Yeah, I mean, they're, <laughs> they're living on giant space colonies uh, floating through space that were uh prisoner ships so it's, you know they could do whatever they want that's the potpourri of, uh, <laughs> just the mix in there definitely all right well i have made progress in my necromunda terrain i know i say that every episode but uh i finished all the platforms and the column areas and i started working on the walls and of course it's when i pulled out the walls and started working on them that i said oh wait i forgot the door bulkheads it's like the little sliding doors that you can open in the game. Mm -hmm. I've Those were in the back of the cabinet. So <laughs> I completely like, oops, forgot about these. 
<laughs> so I was like, well, this is going to take a little bit longer, but I did take some time. So I got my Street Wars NYC, um, all five of my game. And as is usual for me, I place that big order. I order every gang and every miniature that Funky Skull Games has to recreate, you know, my 1970s street war. And uh, then they come out with a new gang. Like, mother. <laughs> that, that's how it goes. You can't <laughs> yeah. keep up with gaming. <laughs> so This isn't something I, that you can be complete with. <laughs> I, well, you know what? I, I take it as a good sign that at least they're still making stuff. But I painted up my... Um, my black cobras so it's the uh 70s kung fu uh harlem guys out there like nunchucks and uh, bow staffs so i was like okay i can dig that now i'm working on the uh ozone park italian themed gang the napoli boys so i, I will say something there's certain metals like games workshop stopped doing this but there are certain metals ones where whoever sculpted them they just paint up super quick it's like paint the shirt, paint the pants, paint the shoes, boom, done. <laughs> so in, un I love it. in under a week, I processed through eight, all eight of my gangers. You just got to seal them up. But one thing I will say, I don't, oh, me, you'll be able to see this, Brian. But uh, so the guy, Ian, who runs Funky Skull Games, he, one of his big things, he makes um, decals. So if you ever need like any of the flags for, um, What's that? Ice and fire for like a song of ice and, song fire, and yeah. ice and fire. Yeah. So he makes flags for like different wars in England and Scotland. He makes some that you can tell like the flayed man for um, the northerners in uh, oh, song yes. of ice and fire. And uh, he makes like these uh, little back uh, for their cuts. He makes like these little decals. So he's great at making all these little decals, no, nice. but it's a, uh, it's an ace of spades with a skull in the set, which a lot of recon elements made. So I was looking at it. It's like, you know what? I'm thinking about just buying more of these decals because the black cobras have a black cobra decal. Well, I've been wanting to put together a, a Katachan force for Imperial Guard for 40K. It's like, they are wearing vests. I could put like black cobras on there. And then for like some of my Cadians, I could say like they've got the skull and crossbones on Ace of Spades there. Love that. It. So it's like, you know, I might take some of these 70s like gang uh, patches and like put them on my Imperial Guard there. So I've been. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to experiment with that a little bit. But speaking of something that we both got in, um, our joint order from Knights Models finally showed up uh, last week. And the great thing about getting them, it's it's kind of like a Christmas that comes when you never you never know when it's actually going to come. It's just surprise. They don't tell you anything shipping. It's just one day in the mail, a box full of miniatures shows up. So I know this is something we went on back in Black Friday to get take advantage of the uh, free shipping if you bought yeah, enough. Almost four months ago. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and I had opened up. It was second and third edition, nice model. So I had some, seen what some of their resin was like, some of their models. Mm -hmm. But since let's do our product spotlight, what do you think of the Knights models? So I've played around with a lot of miniatures. I've seen a lot of miniatures with different materials. Um, I started with metal. Um, 
then found my way to plastic and I've played with pewter. I've played with white metal. I've even had, I even have a couple fine cast models. Um, although that will still be the least, my least favorite thing to work with is fine cast. Um, I not sure I like the material that Knights Models uses. Although it is really nicely cast and it does look really good, the models are sculpted really well and they do have a lot of good details. They are very fiddly and these are not for the beginner. Uh, yeah, I think that's are, when, when we talked about it, it said these are not beginner's models. Yeah, you have to have some, if not a lot of experience with more of the fiddly stuff like resin. Um, and I mean, every resin I've tried is completely different. I mean, Finecast is completely different from Forge World. And those are same company, yeah. pretty much. Um, I've tried Cromlech. I've had uh, uh, even like the 3D printed stuff is different than anything else. This is very brittle and you have to be very careful with how to how you go about cutting it and shaping it and gluing it. Um, although I do recommend that these I, I, I like the models I recommend the models they are really nice I will only recommend them to people that I know have experience in resin because yeah and not, not for beginners so uh, I think looking at some of what people say about night models there um it's not for beginners and my big concern is that hey my you know my 13 year old likes Batman or DC Universe or Harry Potter because they or make Harry, Harry Potter. Potter. They have Harry yeah. Potter miniatures. They have the Harry Potter license, and they only show you them fully painted. Yes. And so I could just imagine you buying your box of like resin and giving them to a kid. And let's just give an example of where one of the technical difficulties come in. So let's say the bodies. You get the body in the bag, and it has um, a sprue with like the arm options attached. And so the sprue um, has like four runs and you get like four arms and you can pick something out. But the sprue runs in to the armpit shoulder joint, okay? So you clip the arm off the joint and you fit into the model and there's a big gap. And the, the reason is, is just, then you have to shape the resin, but you have to have the experience to know of if the arm's not fitting in properly, is that you and your modeling skills? Is that overrun from the mold? Um, or are you just gonna get frustrated, glue it on and say, well, the model looks stupid. There's a big gap in there. So you you really have to have the patience and to know if you're doing it right. Because if you've only ever worked with metal, metal might be put you in better experience because metal has a lot of, um, in the casting process, it's the same type of molds. Yes. And that's why night model originally was metal. Then they went to this um, resin, which makes a finer detail model. But it's like you said, it tolerates errors to a lower degree. It'll Very punish you so. for making mistakes on it. Um, so it, 
even for me, there's two characters from the third edition box, one of the Joker guys and one of the cops that I'm, even after I put it together, primed them, I primed it and said, oh, I missed a spot in like one of the joints of where they glued together. I got to go back, fill that in and then reprime it. Otherwise it's just like, this person's got a gap from where their arm fits into their body. Yeah, honestly, I'm glad they were uh, sold out of the Poison Ivy because that would have been just way too spindly. I mean, the ones I already got were very spindly and thin and small and coming like, so building uh, another superhero game, um, Marvel uh, uh, Crisis Protocol, where they use plastics. now, their choices on how to separate the miniatures are a little shaky, and people have been complaining about the little pieces that go on them. I, it's, plastic is way more forgiving than the resin that is used from Knights models. I have a much better time with crisis protocol even though they are kind of hard they are way harder to build um but i could be a little rougher with them i can force pieces i can you know i can put them in a small little miniature clamp and not worry that either it's going to break it or snap somewhere else um so i i like the models i don't like the material. Yeah, so well, that's the thing is when you make that trade-off, so plastic, I think, has gotten to the point where it's superior to any other material, but the molds are expensive to make. So a lot of companies will use, your first go-to is metal, but if you're actually trying to appeal to like the high-end painter, res- the resin is where you want to go because the resin seems to like the molds better. It creates a more refined image there. But the problem is, is like, you have to know how to work the material. So like when you're cleaning a mold line off the night models there, you just don't put a file on it. You have to know at what speed to run the file because you're trying to avoid that tearing in the resin. Cause you're right. The, it's not like metal where it just turns into shavings or plastic where it turns into shavings too slow and you'll tear it too fast and you tear it. You actually have to move at like the right tempo and just like, you have to feel like, okay, and now, <laughs> oh, there, yeah, I got the mold exactly. line. <laughs> because otherwise, it just tears and it creates like this, like, I don't know, it's hard to describe. It's not mushrooming like metal does, but it's more like the material lifts up and separates. Kind of like um, when you're trying to do car interiors and you cut like a piece of like uh, the headliner and then like the ends just fray open and get bigger. <laughs> yeah. there so it's like oh crap so, so it's a little bit of filing a little bit of scraping now the thing is i found once you glue them together and you prime them then you can't tell what they are it's like okay now it looks right but there's just so much you have to be so pre-armed with knowledge before you go into it um yes so don't start off with your your centerpiece item when you go into this so the best one is you're talking about poison ivy and ever since the from second to third edition, they changed the rules to where they went away from that infinity, um, the cone or like the um, cylinder 
like yeah. every object is represented by a cylinder to like, well, now it's the real model. They've now started creating like these bases designed for painters for like display pieces. So like in the third edition box, it was Joker on a stage with like curtains and like little baby angels and like gas shooting out everywhere. That was like eight pieces. I spent like a day cleaning that model and like putting it together. And then, cause all the folds of the curtains and the backdrop behind them. Now you could cheap out and just say, okay, I want Joker to stand on a regular base. But if you actually wanted yeah. the stage, like, you know what you were paying for, it's like that, that was no joke as a model. And Poison Ivy's on that giant throne with like, oh, I know. I was like, I, so when you said that, it's like, no, I, I totally get what you're meaning, what you mean there. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the other ones I was looking at was so there's, there was the, uh, the Batman who laughs. There was two versions of them. One that was the small one, which is the one I got with only the, the three Robins with him. And there was the other one with like the huge decorative base with like the 10 Robins and like all sorts of stuff going on around him. Um, like, I can't even imagine building that now, like seeing as how spindly everything is for the little one. Well, you know, it's so I can see the problem, especially if you're really young and working on these models. What you think is like, well, I didn't make an error. They made an error. So it's like, with like the Joker one, it's like you've got to put it into place. And if it doesn't look right, take it away and then try a slightly different angle because it all comes together beautiful. But they don't actually tell you how to do that. So you've got to have trust that like, well, I'm doing something wrong. Let me just move it slightly. Let me move it slightly. And of course, what makes it worse on the big display pieces is when you've got to paint it because exactly. you've got to dry fit it and then leave some of the pieces off so you can actually get your brush in there because they don't actually design it for like, you know, put it all together, prime it. Then it's like the Batman who laughs, like the big display piece. It's like, how are you going to paint that third Joker from the right? Like what yeah, brush you do you imagine getting back there? <laughs> you have to do it in pieces. And then with that kind of material, it just, you can't just like, you can't just like, hold it with your hands you don't you can't just hold it with your fingers i mean you're gonna have to like get a holder put some like green stuff on it and or the blue putty and stick that to it and hope that it still doesn't break because it's so brittle yeah so it does it requires you to have a a large basis of knowledge and materials in order to correctly put together and uh build which is if this was something like a high sci-fi game or if this was like infinity or one of those more niche games um, that wasn't attractive to a wide audience, I'd be okay with that's perfectly fine, but they have superheroes. They have, they have the DC license. This is the DC uh, miniatures game. And they have Harry Potter, which are two franchises that are wildly appealing to a lot of newer players. And having that mixed with a material that needs experience 
creates games that experienced players don't want to play because they have games that do better things with those materials. Or you have new players that don't want to play because they don't want to paint and use those things, even though this is the type of game that they want to play. So it kind of detracts from both ends of the spectrum of players. So really you have to, you have to have the want to play these games in order for you to get into them. Yeah. I could just imagine, you know, you buy, so you buy your infinity box um, or you buy you know, something in metal or you buy like a box of games workshop, like anything in there and you, you cut them out, you clean them, you put together, paint them and say, Oh, that's easy. Oh, Hey, let me get Batman who laughs giant display piece. I know how to do this. And so it's like, this is one of those games of where, you know, most games you always buy around the central heroes and then you build the gang outward. Um, buy the little cheap nobody guy, like the police officer or the Joker and start on him. Don't start on Batman or Joker. Start on the little guys and work your way towards the heroes. Um, that way you don't mess up your hero models. Uh, yeah, exactly. And in that sense, that's kind of detracts from the fun of the game because you want to, you want to start with, you know, the big hitters. You want to start with the Batman and uh, the Joker and yeah, poison Ivy and all these other ones that are like extremely intricate and very hard to build. Well, I, I think what night models is trying to do is trying to teach you patience, which they teach you while you wait for their miniatures. They teach you how to be patient. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fair they're, they're 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 doling out life lessons along with games <laughs> all right well why don't we uh move into the uh i don't know i just want to say we're not bashing night models but it's no, not no. for beginners. i really like the mini chase. they make great models just, just not, for, not beginners. for beginners okay well so as we discussed in the last episode, we've been reaching out to the community of listeners and getting feedback on questions that the community might have. And we have one from Eamon. I won't give his last name, but he posted in the Infinity Con Queso uh, Facebook page. And that's the Infinity page for New Mexico. So anyone who's not in New Mexico will realize that we name all our gaming pages out here, Infinity Con Queso bolters con queso so everything with cheese um i don't know that was done we're, before we're i moved out state. here you blame brian you were here back you were, you lived here before facebook was a thing so yeah uh, i have no idea so it's actually it was an addition to the bolters con queso which has existed since before i started playing games so <laughs> uh don't don't blame me all right, so even lives up in uh, Santa Fe, so he's not part of uh, the regular crew, but he is part of the Infinity scene out here. Um, yes. So his question is, I am currently playing Infinity, Bolt Action, and Gaslands. The main issue for me is finding time to play all these games. I'd be curious to hear how other gamers deal with being interested in multiple games. So I think that is always the issue. So we've talked about in the previous episodes of where stores really drive the direction of what get games get played locally because the store owner makes sure to stock that supply and have the tables and the terrain that you need 
um, to come to his store and play. So if he doesn't believe in your game, there might not be a community. So you've got to hope that if you want to play multiple games, that the store owners around you or the people have formed those communities for you to go to a store and play. But I know I've had this issue where I'm an X-Wing player and Ed, who comes by Ed, and he's an X-Wing player, but he likes to play Tuesdays. I cannot make it Tuesday nights to the store. So I'm just not a part of the X-Wing community in New Mexico. But yeah, so how, you, you actually had a brilliant way of you handled this and it might not work for everyone. Okay, Why don't you explain brilliant, it? The brilliant is a word, uh, you, you throw it around. Um, so what I did before COVID and everything um, is one day out of the week, I had off where uh, my partner did not. So I had the day to myself. Of course, this was also when I had four days off because I worked multiple 12 hour days at the shop, um, putting in my hours two, two, three days out of the week. And then, you know, I'm done off. I'm off the rest of the week. Um, I would take one of those days and I would go to the shop open to close and just play games. I would set up one game in the morning, um, one game in the afternoon, one game at night, sometimes some in between and play, uh, play as many games as I could. And then the rest of the week, I didn't touch a game. Um, so I, I played a lot of different games with a lot of different people during that time. Um, of course, 40K was one that was played pretty often because it's the easiest one to get a game in with everything. Um, but, you know, that's not feasible for everyone. That well, was... I, I think so. Well, that's the times we played. It's because you had like your three anchor games there and then I would show up and then we'd take either we did Blackstone Fortress, Battletech or Kill Team. And so I could stop by the store, use your Wi-Fi for work. And then we only pick like Battletech scenarios, like one mech on one mech. So like scenarios one and two out of the new box game. Yeah. And so we could finish in under an hour. And so I could use my lunch break to like work and then we do one game and so i was always like that in between those anchor times that you had so when you didn't have one of the big you know platoon scale games going on there i could slide in there and say okay let's play combat arena all right i gotta go <laughs> yeah exactly um and me also doing that uh, was made more people available to play because i would play on a weekday um so, of course, after after five o'clock, that's when, you know, people were bidding for my time um, because that's when people started getting off work after school, stuff like that. That's when everybody was available. But before that time, the five hours leading up to that, I actually got to play with a lot of different people and with a lot of different games because those were the days that, you know, they had off. And these were the people that couldn't come in on the weekends to play regular games or the days that they had were like our D and D nights where they couldn't come in and play because the whole place was full of D and D. So we would play games that you, I wouldn't really get to play unless I force somebody else to play it. Um, so it's, it's very interesting trying to play a lot of games um, I've had to cut down on how many games I play. I mean, A, I'm not playing many games right now, if any. 
Um, but uh, time is a big aspect. And if I'm not going to be playing the game, then I don't want to be putting resources into it. Um, so, uh, that brings up the thing I have. So, you know, besides those like drip, those quick drop in games, like pre COVID, I'd stop by the store. I can never do 40K. I can never do Age of Sigmar because those are the bigger uh, squad based skirmish games. So they take two hours. You might be able to get a game in an hour, but everyone's got to know every rule. 40K goes up to four hours. And there's no discussion about it because you all are simpatico on the rules right there. So you can actually move the game quickly. Um, The thing I've found is like when I get most of my game playing is actually when I travel, which I can't do anymore. But I'd be gone for like three weeks plus at a time. So I load up either my travel bags or everything like plane or cars that's load up the car with every game i got okay and then that's where i would use facebook and all the different facebook groups for all the localities i was going through to try to set up games so there's a game store back in northern virginia of where i know they play team yankee every week they play bolt action once a month they play battlefronts like nom once a month so i know if i'm traveling for three weeks i can get in those games for sure they always play 40K. They always play Kings of War. They always play these games. So it's like, I always know they do it. The biggest frustration I have is, so even talks about how do we play multiple games? Okay, so I want to play the game, but let's think about what that's involved and a lot of the issues about playing lots of games is like, you got to go to the store. You got to set up the board, you know, six by four, two by two, whatever you want to do, you got to set it up. Then you got to, the person walks in and if you stranger, like, hey, I'm James, who are you? Okay, well, let's do the dog sniffing the butt thing. Okay, let's set up and play. Do you know the rules? How many times you've played? There's all this stuff. So if you actually time how much you're, how much time you're actually spending actually playing the game, it's actually like only half the time you dedicate to actually being there that gets sucked down to go play this game. Um my biggest problem is that a lot of stores I go to, the people there are just to socially interact, which I'm fine with, but they're not that interested. I don't know. I don't feel a desire like, okay, let's get dice on the board. Let's get going. So like if you were someone like Emi and you actually started the stopwatch for saying, okay, I'm at home, time to go play the game. Let me drive there. Let me set up the board. So for example, when I'm Eagle and Empire, they do Friday and Saturdays is gaming. The store actually shuts down a Saturday at like 7 p.m. A Saturday, a game store shuts down at 7 p.m. You know why? Because they're done. They spend all day to play one game. Now, it might be a 20 by four table of where like it's Team Yankee, eight different forces clashing over the table. Sure, that's great. But it's like, I get down there like Saturday and I'm like, okay, I'm ready to throw down. That's when most tabletop gaming comes alive. It's like, these guys are done. They're, they're heading home, calling it a day. The store is empty on Sundays. No one shows up. So like there's these different communities around each store and they all have their rhythm of how much time they actually put into dice on table. There's no sense of urgency 
to like, well, if this is a 45 minute game, then if I spend between seven and 10 PM here, I should be able to get three games. There's times I'm lucky to get two into that three hour time block for a 45 minute game <laughs> because why they're na- Hey, let's set up the table. Hey, let's all go eat. Oh, let's come back. Hey, let's discuss politics. No. All right. I can't swear here, but it's like, no, how about we play the game upon which we all developed the social contract that we're going to play this game. So one of the biggest things that I, I found, uh, working at the game shop that you play at uh everyone knows you uh if they go to that shop regularly they know me um and a they like to talk to me while i'm there working in the first place and although i do enjoy uh talking about games um i am short when i am working um because i am working um, and, uh, so when people realize that I'm not working and I am playing a game, I get interrupted a lot. And I've, I've had a couple opponents that got really annoyed with me, um, because there would be seven to 10 people that came up to me to say hi and talk to me about what's going on and talk about their games and uh, talk about what I'm doing. And it's just, you know, it's uh, that is definitely one of the frustrations of uh, my time is uh, if I am playing at my game store, it is hard for me to actually fully play a game without being interrupted at least twice if not more so not only does that take away from my time playing but that takes away from the person that is playing or that i'm playing and sometimes for them this is their one game out of the week where for me this might be my one day out of the week but i played three games before this so really it's taking out of their game time. So what I've done is uh, before everything happened, like a couple months, I got, I built a table um, at my house so that when I wanted to play with somebody where it was like their one game out of the week, you know, I didn't want to go to the store because I know that I'd be interrupted or might be asked to work or something of that matter. I wanted to give them a full, their full attention, my full attention, um, and give them the game that they deserve. Um, so I started playing games at my house. Now, again, this isn't feasible for everyone, which is why we need game stores. Um, so it, it's, it's finding, like, playing multiple games is finding that sweet spot where when can you go in? When can the other people that play your game go in? Um, how long does it take to play the game? How long does it set up? How long does it take to set up the game? Um, how much time are you going to a lot for talking um, and other activities? Because I know I game with some people and I used to be a smoker myself and, you know, halfway, like an hour into the game, we're like, hey, let's go out for a smoke and, you know, go waste 20 minutes there, go back and, do that. So, I mean, there's all sorts of different time restraints uh, that you have to think about when sitting down and planning out a game. So, 
having the internet really helps with this helps with the first part of planning a game and figuring out when the people uh that play your game when they are available which i think is huge and although i'm not the biggest fan of facebook um i it is a great tool for gaming that brings us together without the use of bulletin boards and unreliable texting and stuff like that, where we could post it up and be like, we're talking to 30 people instead of talking to two or three um, on a message board or something texting. Um, So I really feel like we have to utilize that uh, tool to cut down on time. but, you know, if you play 40K, you're always going to be able to get a game in pretty much any time of the week. Um, but if you're playing Infinity or Gaslands, uh, it's a little harder because the the group that plays that isn't as wide and varied. And a lot of them play on the same day because that's the day they they all work together, which is why they're all playing the game because one person played the game and introduced it to everybody. And, uh, and now they're all, they get off of work at the same time. They have the same day off. So they go to the game shop that same day. And if you can't go there, well, you have to find another way to play with them. That, that's something you bring up. There's normally preferred choice hours to play these games. All right. So Friday and Saturday nights, are like the times there. So if you play multiple games, it's like, well, you've got to squeeze that wide spectrum of games into like this little block, either, you know, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, Friday evenings. So I I actually ran into a situation where I was on a trip to DC. And so I had a Necromunda game scheduled up in Columbia, Maryland, which is halfway between DC and Baltimore. And it's like, okay, I can, I'm working in downtown DC. I can head up to Columbia. I can get in my game of Necromunda. But at seven o'clock, I have a game of T Yankee in Alexandria. So a half hour south of DC. So <laughs> I like head up 295, boom, hit the games workshop in Columbia. It's like, okay, let's play Necromunda. Get a game, get partway through it. Say, look, I, I've got to go. I've got to get down to uh, Alexandria, I've got my Team Yankee game going on. And that's just because Friday night is like, well, let's do this Friday night. You know, so let's talk about lots of times where you lose a lot of time is setting up the table. Um, and I noticed this is on stores where you don't have to check out the table because if there's no sense of urgency of like a deadline, it's kind of like the racquetball courts at the gym. Say, we better get this game of racquetball in because we only have from 6 to 7 p.m. to get all the racquetball we want in right now. If you just show up at the store and it's first come, first serve, and it's like you don't have to check out a table, it's like, so what if I spend 45 minutes setting up my 40K terrain? We've got all night. And you're out there thinking like, well, I'd like to get more than one game in here. So normally what I found is like um, when I'd set up games at the store, I would set them up for, I would show up like 20 minutes, half hour early and set up the boards ahead of time. Even though the rules and like kill team say, well, opponents take turns setting up terrains. Like, no, I'm, I'm going to set up the train now. That way, the second you walk in that store, 
you drop your bag, you open your kit, force on the table, let's go. Um, the second area where I've seen a lot of time get sucked down is rules discussion. That's and this can point. get highly frustrating, especially since I go to different places um, and not that many people are that deep into a game. So they don't know all the rules. And if you're trying to prepare for a tournament, that's not exactly the way to do it because you spend a lot of time flipping through the rule books and where a lot of the complexity comes from is like, if you want to get a game done quickly, remove the models or the units that have special rules that create these special rule interactions. If you had a 40 Imperial guard against 40 orcs, just straight line infantry and one boss each side, that'd be a really fast game. That'd be because a really fast game and you'd be able to get multiple games in. Yeah, so I think there's one of those things it's like um, if you could have the train set up and you say, hey, let's blow, both play this type of list. For example, if we were doing Battletech, nothing post 3048. So no electronic warfare, none of these like aura rules benefits. Let's just play 3025, my missiles versus your missiles go. Because there's no discussion about, well, I have a plus one in this situation, but you have this aura that touches that guy who has this ability. Could you seen like the Magic the Gathering rulebook, like the official one online? It's it's yeah. When they start discussing the stack, I've like the order stack. Yes. When you pull cards and priority, so it's like I I have read property legal texts that are less complicated. <laughs> And the rules to magic <laughs> magic is very technical <laughs> when you when you get into the nitty-gritty of magic it is technical so i i can see that situation of like there's nothing you can really i mean you have the advantage of like telling someone like i've got between 4 p.m and 5 30 p.m yes to get this game done because so-and-so is coming in behind me are you ready to go and since you have that relationship with the store and that relationship there, and honestly, the person a lot of times doesn't have any other option but to play with you. Because on a Tuesday, what other game are you going to get in? It's like, exactly. okay. But I know if you try to move things along, people get upset. It's like, but I wanted to spend 15 minutes talking about my Chinese order that I just placed and ate in front of you. And it's like, no, I don't want to hear about your Chinese order. Let's play this game. So if you can create that sense of time urgency, that time compression, um, yes. you can get more games in there. Yeah. Um, and that's... But, but not sounding like a jerk. <laughs> and Well, you, you brought up a really good point earlier uh, about uh, stores that don't check out tables. Um, in that sense, we don't check out tables. So there is no urgency... Um, when you have a table, if you get grab a table, that table is yours until you leave it. Um, so a lot of people are very lax, and we that. But one thing is, we don't have a lot of tables. So if we have D and D night where there are no tables available, you can't play there. So well, they start at five, right? Up, so if, if you get in there early enough, you actually have. You can get a table, but it's like at 6 p.m. you've got to be gone. Yes. Yeah. So at a certain point, at a certain time during those D&D &D nights, you had to leave. And 
let's say you didn't know about that or you know it's it's your first time at the store and you're like well it's saturday you know that's when that's when everybody's going to be there and playing games and you figure out yeah but it's only D. so now you have to figure out oh well i i had this guy coming over and now we have to figure out well where are we going to go and the nearest store is what 30 minutes away 20 minutes away and so that's another 20 minutes out of your night then you have to get there find a spot find a table set up that's another 30 minutes out of your night there there goes 50 minutes to an hour extra um so you know learning uh when i think so communication with the store i think also saves time um seeing can they uh, can they hold a table for you what are their busy nights um what nights do people usually play certain games at? Um, the if you ask me, I before everything happened, I knew when certain people play certain games. I knew that X Wing was on Tuesday night. Don't come on Saturdays or Wednesdays because that's D and D night. Forty um, K, you could get a game in anytime you wanted to. Um, there's there was a lot of different things that uh, if you ask the store they can let you know and that saves time too um especially if you don't use facebook or other social media platforms um so knowing i think one of the big things about saving time um in order to play the games that you want to play is knowing your resources from facebook to other social uh social networking programs to just talking to your local store runner, uh, whoever's at your local store, because, you know, they see who comes in, they see what they play, and they know what's going on usually. Um, and just, you know, keeping in touch with uh, other players. Well, um, that, that's the thing I like about um, Eagle and Empire. They actually had a calendar on the wall. So people would be able to go up there and block in, like... I'm going to be here to play X-Wing on this Friday night from this to that PM, 100 points. So this was first edition. So they had a calendar on a wall. So what I would suggest to someone like Eamon, um, there's two ways you can go. You can go like your way of one day, try to get multiple games in, or can you get multiple games, but on separate, separate days? So you create, you become like the boss on like bolt action Wednesday, Necro Monday, those days of like, okay, I'm going to make it a reflex of the community to start gathering around those days to come play. So like Ed at Atten, he made Tuesday X-Wing happen because that works with his work schedule. So he built the whole community around him. And um, I did that with X-Wing and Alexandria of like, there were days I showed up and no one showed up to play. Because a lot of times it's that chicken and the egg problem of where someone doesn't know when they're going to be free for a game. So they don't want to commit, but they want to play a game that they know they can drop in on. And unless there's an established community, you don't want to drive to the store, drop in and find out like the one other guy who plays X-Wing didn't show up that day. So there are days that I've advertised on Facebook, on the store calendar, Friday night, 7 to 10, I'm going to be here, 100 points imperial or rebel and there were days no one showed up to play but if you did that long enough 
people got the there were a couple like three other people and at least one of them from that point on would like show up saying well james is always here to play a game between these times so i can now pick this game up and make it a drop-in game i can show up so you start slowly building that community of uh people who come in and play of course that takes responsibility on your part yes um when i first started going to Etten, um there was a lull in the infinity crowd where the main person was busy with work and family obligations and everything um and uh so i stepped in to start playing games and so i went in on mondays when the store was the slowest there was always tables open and you know for the first couple weeks i was i didn't play any games because i was only one there but you know as time went on there would be like okay oh hey you know brian's always there on mondays let's go there so you know the one person came in and then they'd bring another person and then so on and so on. And we had a couple nights where we had 10 infinity players and every table in that at Etten was being played on with infinity games. So um, if you are looking to, if you are looking to set a day aside for your game, um, be prepared to have days where you don't have anyone play with you. Um and be prepared to demo the game. Um, so if you could only play Wednesdays at 3, come in prepared for a full game and come in prepared for a demo. Because then you could, A, you could, if somebody does show up, then you can play with them. Or B, if somebody shows up and doesn't know how to play, doesn't have anything to play with, but wants to learn, you can teach them. And that way... A, if they don't like it, well, that's fine. Not every game is for everybody. But then you're letting people know that you're there not to just play, but to educate. And that raises not only the amount of people that are wanting to play the game or that can play the game, but also interest in the game. Because if, they, if people know that you're will, that there are people willing to demo games, they're more willing to go into a shop with expectations to just play a game with whoever's there and not just there to play with a certain person well i think that is where like when you were in there without anyone to play with that's where you can actually like i don't know stock the uh shelves because there is that uh remember there's one guy who'd come into the store and like him and his brother got into kill team and i think he lived in like lost lunas one with like the sleeve of tats there. Yes, yes. Yeah. And so like his brother got him into the game, then the brother dropped out. So now he's stuck with all this stuff. And he's like looking at the display counter, but it's like, I think you've talked to him and I've talked to him and say, yeah, we play this every Tuesday. So it's like, you start stocking the uh, retail shelves. Like, Hey, you want some kill team kid? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, cause I mean, selling someone on game is kind of like doing cold sales calls. So I know, we used to sit up by the front window and it was like my towel kill team versus your death guard kill team. And yeah. uh, there'd be like that dad who brings like his kid in and it's like, um, they think it's, they're there to buy like used game cartridges. Uh, it's like little models and you see the kid like, Hey, Tao, 
what are these? This looks cool. And the dad's like, no, <laughs> I just wanted, <laughs> I just wanted an original Mario three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, having stuff like that and like just being able to, you, you, if you do have somebody that you do play with regularly on the same day, also being open to talk to people and explain what you're doing in a open and uh, welcoming way uh, will also bring people to your table and to your game. Um, so really like making time for a game isn't just making time for a game. It's building a community that you can pull people from at any time you're available. Um, one of the reasons I do play a lot of games is, well, is not just that I sell them um, and knowing the, knowing the different games that are out there is good for my job. Um, but it's also because if I want to play a game, I know that I could play with anybody. Um, so if you're available one day, I know I could play 20 games with you. Um, but if my friend that only plays uh, Frostgrave is available on a Tuesday and I'm available on Tuesday, I'm like, all right, let's play Frostgrave because then you could get your game in without having to talk to anybody or, you know, let's like, I'm available. Or if I want to play Gaslands on a Saturday uh, and my friend that wants to play Gaslands on a Saturday is available, boom, we can do that. Um, so really you have to be active in your communities um, in order to get the most out of them. I can see how I think playing multiple games to the fullest uh, happens. So I can see a situation where like with Eamon's comment of where you have three games and then if you want to make sure someone else can play it, you've got to have both sides. Yep. Because you don't know. Because if I showed up with a bolt action army, so I want to play bolt action, you're like, do I really want to do drop $120? $140 in the starter army. Then I got to paint it, put it together, and then you'll play me. Well, or if I showed up and said, look, I've got both sides. Which side do you want to play? I've got Nomads and Ariadna. Which one do you want to play? So it's like that puts you as the multiple war gamer. It does mean that if you want to play multiple war games, it does put more stress on you of making sure that it's convenient for other people to play. And we've got like married kids dogs and stuff it does crunch that time so i can see a situation of saying like look i know we could sit at this table forever you but i like your idea double book yourself <laughs> make it like an airline like look i can give you frost gray from 7 to 8 15 but then we got to pop out of this <laughs> i gotta take and you know something brought up is the six by four table there were, so there were times I could go into game stores and because I played X-Wing or Battletech or Kill Team, there's always that dinky table off to the side that no one can use for because it's not six by four. It's like, that's fine. I'll take that table during the primo time slot because my game or like, yeah, Kill Team, was it uh, 30, yeah. 32 by 23 inch? It's like... We're seeing a huge rise in the smaller games and I'm realizing that the smaller the space, the quicker the game. Um, but also, the smaller the space, 
the easier it is to find a table and a space to play. Uh, there's plenty of tables, like display tables at, uh, at Eden, that if I cleared off, I could put two people playing a game there. And then it goes from a display table to a game table where, you know, if somebody wants to play 40K, I can't do that. But if they want to play a kill team, I'll just clear that off. Boom, there's your kill team table. Well, you know, I think that's the advantage, if you think about it, of um, the new combat con- combat patrol infiltration of where combat patrol is just two kill team boards. So it's like you could la- literally show up to a, a store, have every table taken with, like, with your 40K army. It's like, well, you know what? We could play combat patrol level couple squads some heroes it's going to roll faster and it's going to fit right on that display cabinet over there that no one's using so i think having games that are scalable so like um bolt action isn't so scalable it's meant for a six by four i think i think they gave up on the idea of doing their skirmish version like the official skirmish size is going to be you know like a two by two or three by three but there's nothing stopping you from condensing it like look yeah. we're just going to turn this into a meat grinder we're all going to be like a couple inches away from each other and we're going to <laughs> charge in bayonets and like take care of this but you know it makes me wonder because you know we've been talking about game stores but there's always like for me barnes and noble was a lot closer and they sell x-wing but they don't actually have a table for me to play x-wing on nope but it's like with pariah nexus and warcry catacombs you don't need any terrain because you already know, well, technically we're supposed to be fighting underground. So it's just a board, you know, seven guys each side. We can actually play at, you know, Starbucks, Barnes and Noble. I mean, people might stare for a while. It's like wondering what the hell you're doing at those tables. But, uh, you know, but finding people the staring, de- you might get a question or two and you could possibly get you know, the smaller games, I mean, that that's that's a big thing is like if there's so if you don't have a game space close to you, you might have a coffee shop near you. And, you know, coffee shops are supremely unforgiving when you go in there and you want to be like, hey, can I use this whole ticket? I just set up miniatures. They don't care. Are you going to buy some coffee? That's the question. <laughs> so you buy gonna... some coffee. That table's yours. So, you know, I've played play, like breweries. If you want to go to a brewery, um, I th- as long that. as you're yeah. buying stuff, they don't care what you do. You take a table and you. I've played plenty of different games at breweries. Of course, you can't go to there and play 40K because that's too big, which is where, which is why like the smaller games are more handy. Um, but if you live near a brewery, but nowhere near a board game or a board game store use that to your advantage because that's saving time which means you have more time to play games so like Eamon lives in Santa Fe I know for for a fact Santa Fe doesn't have a game store but I know for a fact they have several breweries and other places that you could possibly play at so cutting down your games to where they are the small size where they can fit in on a table at a coffee shop or a brewery could increase how many games you play in a week or how many games you play in a night. So like I said, going back to resources, figure out where your resources lie and how to use them to your best advantage. Yeah. So I think 
that so i know for new mexico because what there's only stores in albuquerque there's the warhammer store in rio rancho i think farmington farmington has, has a store one, and then roswell somewhere down south has one as well yeah so there's a store for the north a store for the south and three stores in the middle that's about it for the state <laughs> yep that's it so there so i i can understand it's like gosh i hope i can find like so the six people who play bolt action in this state <laughs> yeah building that community we'll all live in different cities of course yeah <laughs> so i think you know answering eman's question it's like um doing a lot of the work up front be willing to be the champion of the of that game and then pick a format of the game of where you're not tied to a store of where you don't have to commute as far because i i do lose a lot of time um in commuting to a store um i know when i travel i pick my hotel based upon the proximity to a store so i can solve that issue but you know permanent <laughs> long term for most people uh you know finding that the game format that'll fit in a place you can play which is something yes. that you really couldn't do before but for that eman has selected the the space marine lieutenant Amelis. Is that A-U-M-E-L-I-U-S? Amelius. Amelius. Yeah. Some faux Latin word out there. He selected that prize, so we'll mail that up to him up in Santa Fe. Um, but as we look to the future, let's go to our horizon scan. Brian, what are you, what are you looking forward to in the hobby so, next? We were discussing this before we started recording, and I said a billion suns. Then I realized I said that last time. <laughs> Um, and since we started talking, I've realized that I already backed a new miniature game that I am extremely excited about. Um, so as I said before, this, uh, this is February. So, um, during February, Kickstarter has a special event called Zine Quest, where zine creators, uh, with a focus in RPG zines, uh, post their stuff and uh, there's a big celebration of it of the zine culture around RPGs. Well one of them that I did last year was a uh, tabletop uh, miniatures game and that was Planet 28. This year there's a new one a uh, different person um, and they wanted to build a system based off of uh, one of my favorite uh, RPGs uh, Morkborg. Uh, I know I didn't say that right, but that's <laughs> how we say it in my circle. So, um, which is a Scandinavian death metal RPG. And this person wanted to make it into a, uh, a tabletop miniature game. So they did. Um, this is called Brutal Quest, and it is on its last 24 hours uh, starting today on Kickstarter. So if uh, you're probably not going to get onto it by the time you hear this, um, but check it out. It will be probably available through uh, some different things. I'll be, I'll be talking about it once I get it, um, of course. Um, but that's something I'm looking forward to. It's uh, brutal, grim, dark, um, apocalyptic uh, fantasy uh, tabletop miniatures. So 
open miniature games. I'm all about it. So, and it's going to be like 20 pages long in a small zine sized uh, package. So that's what I'm excited about. Okay. So let's see, for me, I, I saw the next night models coming out. We're going to go to the Riddler. Um, not excited about the new models. I like the cat, the new cat one they've got picked out. Fits more of the animated series. The Riddler looks more like the Jim Carrey uh, Batman, the George Clooney. Um, so I'm not excited about that. I, I went for the Two-Face, which was... I wasn't planning on doing Two-Face when they were doing their Black Friday sales, but he had the Prohibition era look and all his um, gang had the, you know, Five Families Prohibition look to him. So like, well, I'm, yeah. I'm down with that. that that's going to happen. Um, <laughs> so looking at that, it's like, you know what? I'll just wait till next Black Friday. I'll get a deal on them. Then I'm, I'm yep. not in a rush since we're not playing anything. And I've got the Riddler's gang in front of me and the, all the other night models I bought. Cause I bought a lot of, them. <laughs> but what I am looking at more is um, we brought this up last time, Pariah Nexus. So as they do their slow reveal, they've been showing more models from Curse City, um, the elf with the bow. Like, yeah, okay. Uh, the Pariah we'll Nexus. More next weekend. Yeah. 20th. But I'm still waiting for price. Yeah. Price is going to be the decider. I'm, and... I'm going to guess 210. For Pariah Nexus, I know Spiky Bits is saying 160. I'd be okay at once 140 to 160. I prefer 140. I can accept 160. 210. It's a it's a no deal. It's me. a bit up there, but yeah, I'm gonna guess anywhere from 160 to 210. That's gonna be my guess. Um, knowing their pricing structures and everything, I could buy more Infinity models, a lot more. You could buy a lot more of everything. I, yeah it's like well i need more tags they're just cool looking <laughs> i can buy a lot of tags for, uh, we need them gamma for wolves. that new game we picked up yeah, yeah gamma exactly wolves. gamma wolves there i'm so billion uh billion sons i am interested in that just because aaron has the 3d printers so like i said okay we'll print 3D print something off someone's gonna yeah, have i'll be sending in. you an order once i get <laughs> once it comes in. well she's She's setting up that uh, resin. She got a resin printer. Ooh, just, nice. Uh, yeah, so we we talked about that on the uh, second episode. So mm-hmm. she'll be able to do some of the more high-end sculpts. Because getting some of those... Yeah. Um, I mean, you could do a Defiant class, but getting like uh, an Enterprise, like the D um, Galaxy class ships, like some of mm-hmm. those, unless, unless the sculptors planned it to be built on an FDM printer, you need a you need a resin printer there. So. Yeah. I mean, you just get so much better builds on a resin printer. Yeah. Um, so I, I say looking forward, I'm just keeping my powder dry and saving my money out there. Trying to avoid Kickstarter and some of the uh, other marginal games. Yeah. There's a lot of good stuff on Kickstarter right now, which I, I, I don't know. I'm spending I, a lot of money on. You know, towards the end of last year, I went with Drug War Z. I got those models. So, I'm, so you're I, looking for miniature games. Yeah. So I'm looking for RPGs, and there's there's yeah. a new thing every week. <laughs> like it is it is unavoidable. And this month is just like I'm looking at my bank account, going like I'm sorry, but you're gonna have to sit at zero for a little while. You know that that's one thing I can say for the 
for China being the bottleneck on miniatures, there's a certain point of where like they're just stopped. Like, oh, thank God. <laughs> this slow, we can slow trickle this down. It doesn't have to be a flood there. Because I think yeah, the last there's, print, there's printers for books all around the world. So yeah. <laughs> well, I RPG think the only stuff comes out constantly. <laughs> I think the only Kickstarter I have outstanding is Empire Falls. So that's the alternate World War II history yeah. one by Gaddis Gaming. I mean, I'm waiting on that. What? Oh, no, I'm still waiting on the uh, Undercity, Gangs of the Undercity, the ripoff of um, Shadowrun. So oh, yeah. Dwarf and Elf Cyberpunk there. I'm still waiting for that. Uh, my starter box to come for that. So oh, that'll be cool. Well, you know, We'll we'll save this for another episode, but when doing Kickstarters, I I like people who've done multiple Kickstarters. I like to back them. I'm not gonna be like I don't like being your test case for you to yeah, learn. Yeah, for the for Zine Quest, you have a lot of people that well if you're book, if you're making so, miniatures. Yeah, if you're I, making miniatures, yeah, it's kind of nice to have, you know, that backing of like, hey, I've done this a lot. Yeah, it's like I know how to make models and get them together. And like shipped out to you so uh so i think right now just waiting to see the prices on uh pain and piety though i i saw games workshop is going to do more of the barnes and noble games yes but a lot of i don't know a lot of those just seemed rehashes of they like are. what what's another way i can sell you the models that i've already sold you and like change out the cardboard so it's like well remember those games aren't for people like us who've been playing gw for a while now those are for people that you know haven't seen gw and look see see it and like oh that that looks cool well i have like a age of sigmar crypt hunter where you go through an ever-changing so it's like blackstone fortress it's an ever-changing dungeon maze and it has a way of collapsing and reforming itself so it's always different really cool idea well they're coming out with a 40k version of that with models i already have so it's like do i want another dungeon maze maybe i don't know but it's like it's almost at that point of like when you start recycling too much it's like and you charge 50 dollars a box am i gonna i can buy a lot of tags for 50 bucks (laughs) you can buy a couple that's very true (laughs) All right. So I guess you're excited about stuff. I'm not. <laughs> Hopefully I'll be <laughs> excited about something next episode. Hey, the so, future is wide open. So I guess we'll call that a day for this episode of the Miniature Wargaming Labs podcast. Uh, my name is James. I'm Brian. And thanks for joining us. 